2: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow. What a catch. Touchdown. Jets. That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. It's the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown rookie Xavier Gibson! Game over! Allen has time! Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it Allen! Tripped up! He could not get past Jermaine Johnson! Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall! He's done it again! lightning 62 yards
3: for the touchdown and he's sacked again by Quentin williams what a beast number 95 for the jets
1: listen thank you this is play like a jet my name is scott mason you can follow me on twitter at play like jet one and it's time for part one of the new year's weekend mailbag so for that we welcome in our friend who is the editor at JetNation.com. my good buddy glenn naughton glenn what's up brother
3: Oh my god, dude! You know, we all year we wait for football season to get here. In the last few weeks, it's like just let's just make this thing be over. And last night was another perfect example. I'm in, mean, dude. As you know, I'm in England. I gotta stay up 1:15 a.m. kickoff for that game. I'm up till five in the morning between watching the game, writing a recap, watching the presser. It's terrible. Ty- it's I hate it. I hate it. I want this to be over.
1: You sound like Boomer in circa 1995 when Rich Kotite was the coach. And by the way, I'm working on possibly putting together an audio documentary from that season. So for anybody who thinks that Robert Sala is terrible or Gase or Bowles or whoever else, trust me, they have nothing on Rich Kotite. Believe me on that. And if I do end up putting out this audio documentary soon, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because, my God, the horror stories. But plenty of horror stories in the here and now as well, Glenn. So let's answer some questions from the people who are living through this nightmare with us. We'll start with Quick Jets. He asks, do you prefer the Wendy's Frosty or the McDonald's Sunday?" This is an outstanding question. I like the Wendy's Frosty because it gives you that sweet taste, but it's also in like semi-ice cream form. And you can also eat it pretty quickly. I've always really enjoyed Frosties. I haven't eaten them all that often, especially in recent years. But I'm going with that over the McDonald's Sunday.
3: 10 out of 10, I'm taking the Frosty every single time. As you said, Scott, it's that perfect mix of like, it's not so hard that you can't scoop it and it's ice cream. And it's also not just slop where you're you're slurping it up. Get a spoon, have a Frosty. I'm
1: taking that over McDonald's every time. Next question comes in from Gary Manheimer. He says... During the post-game press conference, Robert Sala replied to a question about all the penalties by saying that he has to figure it out. He says this in week 16 of his third season as head coach. Shouldn't he have figured this out by now? If you're the head coach, how would you have answered the question? First of all, yes, of course, this should have been figured out by now. And it's an enormous indictment on both Sala and his assistant coaches that they haven't figured out a way to do it yet. How would I have answered it? I would have just said... Yeah, it's a terrible problem. We've unfortunately failed to curb the problem so far. We've been working at it every week and nothing we've done has worked. We're going to keep trying to work at it and figure this out. I wish I had a better answer for you, but unfortunately, we just can't stop self-destructing out there no matter what we do, no matter what we try and practice. This is something that both I and the assistant coaches have worked tirelessly to try and stop. We're going to continue doing it but for right now, it remains a problem, and I can't stand up here and lie to you and say that it isn't. That's about the only thing you can say, because what else can you say? You can't throw the players under the bus, and you can't come out saying what Robert Salas said, which just makes him seem entirely clueless. I know that my answer wasn't perfect, but at least it makes it seem like you recognize the problem and have legitimately tried to do something and are going to continue working at it. I don't know that there's any good answer to that question, but I can tell you that Robert Sala's answer was about the worst one you could give.
3: Yeah, Salah, I saw that, and I, I felt like, and we discussed this before we started recording, Scott, I thought his answer was similar to, it would be like asking a a, a, fired, a fireman why they're having such a hard time putting out fires, and he starts describing the different ways that fires start. like the different causes of a fire. Well, you got arson, you got electrical wiring, you got lightning strikes. Yeah. But like, what are you going to do to fix it? You know, you got, you got people fall asleep with a cigarette in their hand. Like we understand what you're doing wrong, but like, so it was a non-answer and you're, and that's, I I saw someone else comment and and you just said it, you know, it's not like you're in week seven of your first or second year. You're at the very end of your fourth season and your answer is, I got to figure it out. And it's and listen, I say all the time, um, you know, because I used to have this argument with people back in the Rex days when some of Rex's teams were heavily penalized. And I used to say, look, man, these players, they're not 11 years old. Like, they've been playing the game for 10, 15, 20-plus years. They know the rules. They know not to hold. They know not to jump. They know where to, where to line up. But at some point, like, I always say it's on the players, but when you're this bad, and, and, and my thing, Scott, is that I noticed last night when, when the ref, when the refs made a bad call and Robert Sala was, was, you know, jumping down their throats, screaming at them, getting in their faces. And I just think to myself, when is he ever going to do this to a player that makes a mistake? Because when his, when his guys make a mistake, it's like, all right, no big deal. Go, you know, go grab a drink. And when the refs do it, it's the end of the world. Like maybe start treating your players like their mistakes matter too.
2: I will call upon
3: you to do a service for me Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family
2: No purchase necessary, VGW Group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win?
1: Next question comes in from Stefan Stelling. He asks, the Jets were the eighth ranked roster before the season, according to Vegas odds. Did people severely overestimate the team before the injuries? Or is Salah coaching a playoff caliber roster to the level of a top 10 pick? This is an interesting question because I think it's sort of a combination of both. I think Salah's done a pretty bad job. And Glenn, I like the way you said it to me before we started recording, which is that When you see a coach not always playing the best players, it raises alarm bells, and I'll let you get into that in a second. But I will also say that I do think this roster was severely overrated, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, but also even on the defensive side of the ball. Look, that defense is very, very good. We've talked about it. It's probably a top five defense. The people that talk about that Jets defense like it's some elite, amazing, all-time defense, they're crazy they've never been that. They've always been a very good defense. They've always been one of the better ones in the league, but people were talking about them way too glowingly. And then on the offensive side of the ball, that goes without saying, look, even if Aaron Rodgers was here, the healthy version of this offensive line, I think best case scenario, you're looking at maybe like 20th best in the league because Dwayne Brown was bad. As we've seen, Mekhi Becton especially the last month or so, and Glenn, we'll get into this a little bit later because we got questions about Mekhi Becton. He's fallen off. Lakin Tomlinson is terrible. Elijah Tucker obviously got hurt. He would be the one blue chip guy on this offensive line. Tipman for rookie has mostly been solid, but he's also had his ups and downs. So there were some major questions even before these guys got hurt. And then obviously when they got hurt, it really caused some problems. And I don't think we realized just how bad the Jets receiving core was Glenn you and I were among the people that were saying the Jets needed to add another passing game weapon it wasn't going to be enough what they had but I also don't think either one of us believed that Alan Lazard would be this bad not to the point where he'd be inactive and at a certain point basically irrelevant on the roster we didn't think that he was going to get overtaken by a five foot nine undrafted free agent like Xavier Gibson I can't imagine any of us would have said that after the Jets gave him that contract. Now, the hope, of course, with Lazard, because the Jets can't get rid of him, he would count $19 million against the cap if they cut him. I believe he's $12 million if they keep him. So it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that you're not going to cut a guy that would cost you $7 million more to get rid of than to keep. But the hope is that if Aaron Rodgers comes back, the chemistry between those two resurrects Lazard a little bit. But really, the Jets have only had one quality receiver. The entire season even if Corey Davis was here let's be honest Davis missed quite a bit of time due to injuries he dropped quite a few passes he was a fine receiver but people are playing it up like he was much better than he was he really was a low level two at best I would say under ideal circumstances he's really more of a three on a good team you could get away with him as a two but he's a low level two at tight end, Tyler Conklin's fine. I think people overrate him a little bit only because he's so much better than the other tight ends the Jets have had over the last few years. But he's really around a league average starting tight end, which again, is perfectly fine. Ruckert, he's shown you flashes, but he hasn't done a ton. So you look at that O-line, which was going to be questionable, even if healthy. And you look at those wide receivers and even the tight end group, which is fine, but nothing special. And then you say to yourself, okay, even if Aaron Rodgers was healthy, Maybe, maybe they push for a playoff spot, but this was never going to be a Super Bowl team. No way. And then you look at what the Jets are going to have to do in the off season to fix these issues, and they've got their work cut out for them. So I think Salah did not do a good job for the reasons I said, and Glenn, I'll let you expand upon that. And also, I do think that people overrated the caliber of this roster a little bit on the defense, but definitely on the offense.
3: I think the the biggest part of you know, it, I wouldn't even say overrate because I did think this team was good enough to make a run at the Super Bowl. Um But the the lack of depth behind, you know, like everyone knew going in that it was a risk with going with Makkay and Brown. It was like, what are the odds of these of both of these guys staying healthy? Um And of course, that ended up not happening. And I had that conversation with people during the off season, And I said, well, I said, one of my big things is let's see if if they're if they're Plan A with an injury to a tackle is to move AVT to tackle. I can kind of live with that. I can look at their viewing it as we actually have three solid tackles. One of them's going to play guard. He'll move the tackle if we need it. And then we can plug in Schweitzer, who is an okay, you know, good, not great lineman. And then you lose a tackle and AVT and Schweitzer. Um, And then, you know, and seven other guys along the way, along with Rogers. So everything kind of fell apart. But I think had everyone stayed, like, I think they could have withstood an injury to one of the tackles. If Avt stayed healthy, and then that O line up front would be good enough. Again, not great, but when you've got Aaron Rodgers, you don't need a great O line. You need so you need a line that can give him two to three seconds, and that's the time frame he can operate in. Um, and then if you've got Corey Davis, who you're right in saying he's probably at best a, a low level two, but a low level two right now is about a million steps, you know, better than what they've got in in Lazard, who has been unbelievably worse than any of us could have imagined. You know, I said at the time and, I said, all right, they added him. He's a good player. But I also kind of laughed and I tweeted out. I said, look at his career drop rate. It's worse than Corey Davis. And everybody was, you know, when they added him, everybody's like, oh, we finally got a guy who can catch the ball and Corey Davis and all of his drops like Corey Davis's drops have been overblown. Just look at the numbers. Look at some of the drops. Some of the drops were on terrible throws. And really, I was like, this guy might be worse than Corey Davis. And I said all year, all offseason, you know, Davis should be your two with Lazard as your three. Um, and what happens, Davis retires and Lazard isn't even half the player we expected. And then you get the injuries. Like, I I think it was, I think there wasn't enough depth to overcome the number of injuries they had. And then there's the bad coaching. Like, as people are saying, oh, look at the Browns. They had just as many injuries and, and they're, and you know, they're, they're going to the playoffs. Well, part of that is, I think the depth was better, um, than the jets. I I think, you know, the, as we've said, Joe Douglas took over what he's had three off seasons, you know, he, he was hired after the draft and after the the free agency period of the first year he came in. So he didn't really have anything he could do that year. Um, but, you know, from that time, he he's started with arguably the worst roster in the NFL. So it's gone from worse than the NFL to a top 10 Super Bowl odds type of team. But a lot of that was based on people staying healthy. And once guys started to drop, there wasn't anything behind those front line guys. So I think this team is, you know, I'm I'm not saying a Super Bowl favorite, but I think I think Dalvin Cook being infinitely worse than we could have imagined, and Alan Lazard being infinitely worse than we could have imagined, and Corey Davis retiring. I think so. It, w- it was too much. for This team didn't have enough depth to overcome all of those things. And then you've got Robert Sala. As I've said to people, you know, say what you will about you know, well, oh, um, you know, Izzy Abanacana had a nice day, but that that's because it was against Washington. Like, if you can't just watch him carry the ball or catch the ball once or twice. And you can't see how much quicker and more explosive he is than Dalvin Cook. And I've, we've had to watch all year, watch Dalvin Cook just plod to his two and a half yards a carry. And I got to hear that, well, it's because his, you know, his pass blocking is better than his Iabana You're the worst offense in the NFL. What's another, what's another sack or two per game going to matter if you're getting a running back that's going to get you, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards instead of 13 yards? So it's been really frustrating. You know, Randall Cobb getting reps. You know, we're seeing now Xavier Gibson's getting the ball a little more. You see that he's quicker and more explosive than Cobb. Like, they haven't been playing their best guys, and a lot of their starters went down. So it's it's a lot of it to me. The injuries and the coaching have been a bigger issue than anything for this team, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think having them in the top 10 with people staying healthy was that much of a stretch.
1: Glenn, I want to go back to what you just said about coaching. And I think one thing that's very overlooked about how things have gone wrong this season. We talked about the injuries. We talked about guys underperforming. But Nathaniel Hackett and Keith Carter have both been terrible. Nathaniel Hackett, in particular, I think, could have been overcome by Aaron Rodgers. That, to me, is the biggest issue with the Rodgers injury beyond just Rodgers himself not playing, is because if Rodgers is the quarterback, he's going to check out of 90 to 95% of Hackett's dumb stuff and just do what he wants, and it's going to be irrelevant. The problem becomes when it's somebody other than Rodgers running this offense who A, doesn't have the freedom to do that, and B, isn't good enough to pull it off. Now you're really going to see the incompetence of the Hackett offense. We watched that game with the Jets and the Browns and Trevor Simeon throwing all these screen passes when the Jets were down by three scores late in the fourth quarter. I know that Trevor Simeon is not exactly the mad bomber. He's not Dan Marino or Matthew Stafford or somebody with one of those laser arms. But you got to try to do something when you're down three scores late in the game in the fourth quarter on the road like that. Nathaniel Hackett can't get out of his own way. I don't think it really would have mattered much if Aaron Rodgers was here. It matters a ton when somebody else other than Aaron Rodgers is under center. So we'll see what happens next year. Again, obviously, big question here with Rodgers is when he comes back next year off the Achilles at 41 years old, is he going to be the same Aaron Rodgers? And I've mentioned this before. Aaron Rodgers being the Aaron Rodgers we all remember, the guy that won MVP a couple of years ago, that guy can cover up for a ton of mistakes. If Aaron Rodgers comes back and he's just a very good, but not elite quarterback, that shrinks the Jets' possibilities a lot because they've got a lot of work to do this offseason. Even if Rodgers is still as good as he used to be or close, if he's going to take a step or two back, it's going to make things so much more difficult for them. So we'll see what happens. But the road just got a lot tougher. And we'll see if Joe Douglas is up for the challenge in terms of building this roster in the offseason. And obviously, if Robert Sala finds a way to raise his game once Aaron Rodgers is here, and if he can't, and if Joe Douglas can't, then unfortunately, the Jets may be right back where they were before they acquired Rodgers and actually might be worse because of the fact that they went through all this last couple of years. And then, of course, some of their best players are going to be coming up for contract extensions. They won't be able to keep all of them. So. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you're a Jets fan, you better hope that Aaron Rodgers is anything close to what he was before the injury, and you better hope this whole experiment works, because if it doesn't, things could get pretty ugly pretty quickly. Next question comes in from John McAnally. He asks, could Carter Warren start at right tackle next year? I don't think that's the best idea. The only way I think that makes any sense is if the Jets are basically stuck, if somebody gets hurt or... If everything goes wrong in the offseason, they just can't get anybody to play right tackle. Like, let's say they only have that first-round pick. They use it on a left tackle. They're unable to get anybody that's even remotely playable at right tackle in free agency, and they have no choice, and they have to stick Carter Warren out there and hope for the best. Besides that, I think his best role would probably be, Glenn, you mentioned it before, a swing tackle and hope that he develops from there. I don't think he's ready to be the starting right tackle. Maybe he'll get there at some point. Maybe he won't, but I don't think that time would be 2024. If it's going to happen at all, it would definitely be down the line.
3: Yeah, I think if if the only way Carter Warren starts is if he has sort of, a, you know, an off season for the ages and comes back and looks like a dramatically improved player. And I think he's done all right. You know, he's held his own. You, you know, you have to remember he, he basically didn't play last year at Pitt, played a couple games and missed the season. And then he missed almost, you know, he missed what the first nine, 10 weeks this year. So he had almost two full football seasons away with injury. So I think when you consider that he's, he's done a, an okay enough job, but I don't think he's done enough that you can say right now today. Well, once this off kicks off, we don't have to worry about right tackle. Um, You've got to address it. You've got to get another guy. Um, If Carter Warren outplays him fantastic. But I think that's a lot to ask for a, a guy who, uh, who's missed as much time as he has.
1: That's going to wrap up part one of the New Year's Weekend Mailbag. Thanks so much to Glenn Naughton of JetNation.com for joining me. Make sure to check out everything Glenn's doing at JetNation and follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. Some awesome all 22 breakdowns on our channel. So... Make sure you watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash play like a jet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn Williams, Bless You Thank You shirt, Play Like a Jet logo shirt, cap, smokes, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
2: Ah.
3: <sighs>